Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat, a podcast for all you wine lovers who, if you're like me, just cannot get enough of the good stuff. I'm Yanina Doyle, your host, brand ambassador, wine educator, and sommelier. So stick with me as we dive deeper into this ever-evolving, wonderful world of wine. And wherever you are listening to this, cheers to you. Hello to all you beautiful wine lovers and welcome back to another episode. So today I am taking you to upstate New York. We're going to go to the cool climate wine region, the Finger Lakes. Now this is about five hours from Manhattan. Currently there's around 130, 140 wineries. Well, this wine region didn't really exist until the 1960s. Dr. Konstantin Frank arrives from Ukraine in 1951 and changed everything around the Vinifera Revolution. And I say that because before he turned up, there were growing vines like Vitas Labruska. So today I am joined by Megan Frank. She is fourth generation. And she's going to take us through what is Vitas Labrusca and its flavours and why we're all drinking Vitas Vinifera around the world now. What her great-grandfather did, his story, which is so iconic and so important to this region. You'll learn about healing up the vines and healing down. What is that in such a harsh, cool climate region? And of course, why Finger Lakes is so special. Now, it's the laser-focused Rieslings that have put the Finger Lakes on the wine map, but there are so many exciting varieties making world-class wines, and this winery is one of them. Their story is incredible. I think you're going to enjoy this episode so much. This is going to be a four-part series, so the first two episodes are with Megan, but I'll keep you in the dark who's going to finish off with the other two. Now, apologies on my audio coming up. Apparently, my microphone didn't want to behave. So sounds like I'm talking from the middle of a huge, large indoor venue or sorts. But the good news is I hardly do any talking at all. But Megan's sound quality is delicious. So over to that chat now. Megan, thank you so much for joining me and coming on the podcast. I'm, I'm ready to delve into the incredible history that is Dr. Constantin Frank. So wh- where do we start? I mean, we have to go right back to the beginning, right? Absolutely, Yanina. It's so nice to be with you today. Yay. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and everybody listening, you are in for a treat because this is a pretty impressive story. Not so many wineries have stories quite like this. So I'm going to take a step back and um, pass it over to you. Absolutely. Yeah. So our story begins with my great grandfather, mm-hmm. Dr. Constantine Frank. So his name adorns every bottle of wine we, we release. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he has a doctor in front of his name. He wasn't a medical doctor, but actually earned a PhD in viticulture mm-hmm. from uh, the Polytechnic University of Odessa. So he was Ukrainian, born in Odessa, spent his entire professional career up until the time he moved to New York for over 35 years in Eastern Europe. Uh, he was a researcher, a scientist, an experimenter. And he made incredible advancements, you know, in Ukraine 
And then the family fled during World War II out of Odessa and came to New York, actually. So Constantine was 52 years old. He didn't speak a single word. Um, he did have six other languages under his belt. Which oh, was my God. Handy. Hang on. Six other languages. And England hadn't come into it. Now, that's yes. interesting, isn't it? Yes. Uh. I know. It would have come in, in big, big handy, um, you know, coming to New York. But, um, but he arrived here and uh, was shortly uh, in New York City, just working mm. as a dishwasher, figuring out his next move. Uh, he arrived with his wife, Eugenia, and three children, and shortly after was told that the Finger Lakes region is not far, and it's in New York State, they're producing mm-hmm. wine, he decided to take a trip, and he was really shocked by what he saw in the Finger Lakes, that there was no vinifera. You know, there was no Chardonnay, no Riesling, no Pinot Noir, no Cabernet Sauvignon, all mm-hmm. of the varieties he was familiar with in Eastern Europe. And when he asked researchers, why, why is this? They told him it's too cold. And mm-hmm. he laughed at this response and he said, no way. <laughs> you know, I came from a place where in the winter he would say your spit froze before it hit the ground. It was so cold. <laughs> I'm not cold. going there. Not going I know, there. right? <laughs> like, thank you. Very cold. Yeah, very cold. And vinifer was possible. So he had a theory it wasn't due to the cold. It was the lack of proper rootstock and phylloxera. Mm, okay. So that was the reason why the vinifera, the early vinifera trials were not successful. So he began this sort of crusade <laughs> of mm-hmm. trying to convince anyone who would listen to him that vinifera was possible here in the eastern United States. And, um, you know, he was really fighting against a very profitable industry at the time. Okay. There was... Um, Yes, there was quite a bit of wine produced where we are today on Cuca Lake, which is mm-hmm. one of the 11 Finger Lakes, a booming wine industry producing uh, wines from Concord, Catawba, Niagara, these um, sort of... Are they are all the Vitus Lambrusca. That's right, vines, exactly. Okay, and this exactly. is, just to pause for one second, in the Finger Lakes at that moment, was it all just that species, the Vitus Lambrusca, or were there some other species? Yeah, uh-huh. so it was mostly that, uh, mm-hmm. mostly the American varieties, but also the French-American hybrids were becoming okay, popular, okay. so the crossing. Mm-hmm. And Constantine disliked the American varieties, but he, he much more disliked <laughs> the hybrids oh, because he okay. felt he was so frustrated. He felt that if you can achieve excellence, why bother with anything else? So right. he would say, mm-hmm. you Americans deserve only excellent. Oh. You know, why... why you know, settle for less and Mm -hmm. basically set out on his own, uh, purchased a hundred acres where we are today in 1957 Mm -hmm. and began essentially his own experiment station because he was a researcher by trade. This was his, Uh his life's work and planted over 66 different vinifer varieties. uh, 56? Yes, yes, okay, an incredible no, array. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, incredible array. And grapes like Riesling, obviously, that's become the backbone of, you know, the landscape here in the Finger Lakes. But also oddball varieties that we no longer have, uh, like Aligote, okay. Pedro Jimenez, <laughs> you know. Well, wow, okay, uh, yes, yeah, so he's Very really... unusual, mm-hmm. yes. So really testing the boundaries of what was possible and, you know, working with the correct rootstocks cold hardy rootstocks uh, that would avoid phylloxera 
that was the key to his success. Um, you know, grafting the, the correct plant material and working with the different soil types that we have and, and looking at different clones. So this body of research, uh, you know, from the late 1950s all the way up to his passing in 1985 has really helped the Finger Lakes, um, you know, explore what is possible, uh, what is possible here in terms of varieties and, and different combinations. Yeah, and amazing you said, of course, he's done all this experiment and it has certainly set the path for so many winemakers after him. Now, one of the techniques I read about was the whole healing up, which is really to do with grafting, right? Grafting those Correct. rootstocks onto the Vetus vinifera plants. Can you just talk a little bit about that so that people listening actually understand what healing up is? And of course, how amazing Constantin was to, to create this and then get other winemakers to follow. Yes, absolutely. It is certainly a technique that is, is only really needed in cold climates. <laughs> so it's not talked <laughs> yeah. about very often. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so where he was actually in parts of Odessa, they had to bury the entire vine in the winter. Oh, so this wow. was this was a little less <laughs> less severe. Mm-hmm. Um, hilling up is pretty much exactly how it sounds right after harvest, typically. So we're talking in November prior to the first freeze. We mm-hmm. hill up about a foot of soil, so we have a specific plow that we use to collect soil from both sides of the vine and cover the graft union. So mm-hmm. the portion that connects the American rootstock with the vinifera scion. Mm-hmm. And that is the most vulnerable portion of the vine yeah, for winter yeah. damage. So by covering it and insulating it with soil um, to help uh, sort of combat our very cold winter temperatures, mm-hmm. it really helps to mitigate the risk. Um, so we have to hill up prior to the winter and then we also have to hill down in the springtime so of course of course yes how how do you hill down yes it is very very time consuming Mm -hmm. so you can imagine there's we have what's called a takeout plow and we have someone on our team who was hired by Constantine. <laughs> He's worked here for over 45 years okay. and he could do this in his sleep. So it's very dangerous <laughs> work because you are basically looking behind you and removing uh, the soil from both sides of the vine. And mm-hmm. one, one wrong movement could result in, we you take know, out um, the whole vine, you could right? take out the whole plant. Yes. So it is very time consuming and it's something that, Really, not trainee. we, trainees don't do this. Then. Trainees do not. No interns allowed. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes, not for the faint of heart, for sure. Yeah. Um, but that's very important work because mm-hmm. um, in the Finger Lakes, there have been, or in, in, in cooler climate areas, there's a temptation. Well, I'll just leave it hilled up because we're just going to have to hill up next year anyway. But what happens is you get a sucker that'll come from the vinifera portion of the vine and that will will basically start its own root system uh, okay. on its own roots, and it won't be protected from phylloxera. Mm-hmm. So that's the danger. That's why we have to to hill up and then hill down in the yeah. spring. Yep. It, hard yeah. work, but <laughs> hard I mean, work, it, yes. it, it allows these vines to grow. So interesting, just I want to exactly. quickly 
go back to Vitis Lambrusca before, because obviously we all know it is not superior to Vitis vinifera, hence why all the grape varieties in general um, that people know about and are drinking is Vitis vinifera. How would you describe typically Vitis Lambrusca vines and the grape juice they can produce to people and why are they inferior just so people could understand yes oh absolutely and it it, they are kind of unique varieties so they are there i use the word foxy foxy exactly yeah that's how we would describe them and i don't you just love that adjective it's so it's Uh so great Uh so uh it makes them sound really fun uh not so fun. <laughs> Not so fun, yeah. So definitely that, that word foxy, they're, they're an extremely strong flavored, um, basically, grape that we have Conquer, Catawba Negra. Those are the three um, largest sort of plantings prior to Prohibition, you know, going mm-hmm. all the way back to the 1860s. We have yeah. history of these varieties being cultivated here. And they're very strong in flavor. They're more of what we would associate for jams and jellies today. Mm-hmm. So if you think of like Welch's grape juice. Mm, okay, you know, that's I, gonna I be haven't, but I'm going to go with ja- jam. I'm going to stick with jam. Jam, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that very grapey flavor. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's what we think of as like foxy or it's a very strong flavor. And because it's such a strong and pungent uh flavor the wines often had a very high residual sweetness level so even today uh there's a a long history of producing great pies and we have a festival in a nearby town and they make these great pies from concord and they're often very very sweet because the flavor is so strong that they need like a very a very high sugar level. They're an acquired taste, but they're an oh still thing. I was going to say oh, keep it for that, but okay, so it's still yes. controversial. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, yeah. They're they're very tasty. You ha- you kind of have to have a few pieces before you get used to it. But <laughs> it's like olives, keep going. Like olives, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, like exactly. Taste. So right. let's get back to a slightly less acquired taste, and let's talk mm-hmm. about reasoning because ultimately. Yes. Already we know that Constantine literally led the way with Vitus vinifera and for the whole Finger Lakes region, but he's certainly 100% a pioneer for Riesling. So why Riesling? Is is there a story behind that? Or it just grows better there than other grape varieties? Yes, no, it's an excellent question. I think that, you know, Constantine saw a lot of potential Mm -hmm. with Riesling here because because of our cool climate, um, because of the moderating influence of the lakes, mm-hmm. you know, we are on Cuca Lake, which is uh, nearly 200 feet deep. We have um, vineyards also on Seneca Lake, the next lake over, mm-hmm. which at its deepest point is 640 feet deep. Um, so incredibly deep lakes that are helping to moderate the climate. So he knew that, you know, focusing on a variety that would be more of an asset in a cool climate rather than a liability would would be very successful and I think the region reminded him of his travels you know in Germany and Austria and and looking at the vineyards there and also the steep slopes we have going down to the lake the very rocky soils we have Uh. a very high content of shale in the soils here could you compare slightly to Mosul I think so. You know, I I (laughs) cautiously, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I cautiously generalize. No, but certainly, I I certainly think there are parallels. You can, yeah, yeah. Okay, certainly, I certainly think so. And I think 
you know, we're not talking 80%, you know, gradient, <laughs> but we are talking 30% at some okay, points yeah. in our, in our vineyards and the rocky soils, you know, not so much, um, the slate, but more of the shale, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. definitely contributes to a really wonderful mineral focus to the wines. And certainly I think in the Mosul, the, the parallel will be that floral note mm-hmm. that you get in a lot of Finger Lakes Rieslings. Uh, and that there's a an elegance and a lightness and a, a, a sort of a delicateness coming from these wines that is uh, really, I think, key to our style as a okay. region. Okay, that's good. And you've even compared to you know Germany as well, which I think is always nice for people to to understand sure. either similarities or differences. Now, what, I mean, Riesling is a huge part of the portfolio, right? So you yes. do a whole load of different styles, don't you, with Riesling? We do. Yeah, we're full, full into Riesling. Um, we work, <laughs> we work with um, 17 different vinifer varieties. So we're mm-hmm. still very, you know, holding true to Constantine's spirit of experimentation. But um, over 60% of what we produce is Riesling in nine mm-hmm. different styles. Nine? So, yes. Oh, and okay. that is very common throughout the Finger Lakes. Because Riesling is so versatile, Mm -hmm, you know, we're working with traditional method sparkling Riesling. We do bone dry single vineyard styles. We have some off dry styles, Mm -hmm. semi dry, all the way up to botrytis styles. So there's just so Mm -hmm. much (laughs) to work with and explore. Um, And especially because Riesling is so transparent Mm -hmm. uh, about where it's grown, there's like so much to work with. In, in our region in the Finger Lakes because of the way, um, you know, the glaciers were formed during the last ice age 10,000 mm-hmm. years ago. This glacial till and this pulling and forming of these very deep lakes created uh, a myriad of different soil types to work with. And I think that there's so much that we still haven't explored, you know, mm-hmm. in the Finger Lakes, which is really exciting. Right. Well, what is very exciting is that I have a glass of 2020 dry Riesling in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) That is very exciting. It it is. And as much as I'm loving uh, (laughs) listening to you, I'm also wanting to have a little try. So please, I'm going to give this a little go. Um, Can you talk to us about then the dry Riesling and what you do to it, your production, just a little bit about this wine? Absolutely. Yeah. So the dry Riesling is our most popular style. Out of the nine styles, it's what we produce the most of. And it it really has helped build our reputation as a winery. Uh, The 2020 vintage was quite a warm vintage in the Finger Lakes. We only have one or two every decade that Mm -hmm. reach kind of the level of the 2020 season. So the 2020, you are getting some really nice ripeness and tropical notes coming through. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is really, I think, an interesting part of where we are in the Finger Lakes, we are a true cool climate region with, with some vintage variation, making it kind of exciting to explore the wines year after year. But the dry style, you know, typically we're harvesting. We have estate vineyards on the west side of Cuca Lake, mm-hmm. which we get the um, afternoon sun. It's a cooler site, higher elevation, shale-based soil. So that's much more in tune with the style, that citric, linear, high acid mm. style that the dry Riesling is known for. Um, and then the vineyards on the east side of Seneca Lake, 
where we have additional acreage, it's a much warmer area known mm-hmm. as the banana belt <laughs> of the <laughs> I Finger like Lakes. It. I know, no bananas. Oh. Um, but it oh. is what, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't expect bananas to be growing. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually an incredibly cool climate, but you can always hope. A girl can You dream. can always hope. <laughs> like a, a specific cool climate banana, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is quite yes it is quite warm there so that's where we have more tender varieties and we also have riesling there as well which fits mm-hmm. in a little bit better to our off dry semi dry styles um yeah because it's if it's warmer and riper then of course it lends itself to the slightly sweeter versions exactly. of riesling doesn't it um it, perfect exactly the, i think you hit the nose on the head when you said like a kind of more linear style mm-hmm. like for me this is the zippiness of the acidity, beautiful mouth-watering. You've got this beautiful kind of lemon pear note, but for me, I get more of that tropicals on the palate where it really does seem, it's very textural. Like it's it's still uh, about medium body, I think. You know, it's not, mm-hmm. but it still feels really, really light and, and vibrant. Um, but that minerality of like kind of wet stones, um, it's, and even if, there is actually uh, to everyone listening a kind of classic Riesling there'll be sometimes a petrol note and I think there's a little touch of that in here as well sure um, but I, I the direction absolutely there's good texture a lovely mouth coating feel on the tongue but definitely this is not rounded it's really directional it's quite straight it's quite precise it's quite tense it's really beautiful and I would definitely say minerals it's 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 got this kind of lovely elegance and lift yummy i'm so happy you're enjoying it Mm, it's wonderful mm. um i just for me i i like that structure and how how many times have we in the industry been saying like riesling is just one of the best varieties hands down in the world and it's the consumer that's like i don't get it i'm not sure i'm not gonna go for it it's too confusing and it's just like oh yes you know yes the sweetness thing is confusing i like the fact that you put dry on the bottle that Mm -hmm. makes life super super simple but i always say to everyone like the acidity levels that freshness that will always cut through there's it allows such balance with sweet versions as well like you you know if you find a good producer sweet or dry it's just going to be magnificent right absolutely yeah and I, Mm. i think it is we're sort of it's like an underdog grape variety and it, it works very well for the Finger Lake. We're sort of an underdog region in America. Yeah, you know, we yeah, haven't, yeah, yeah. We yeah, haven't for sure. Had, had a lot of limelight and a lot of spotlight on us, you know, for, for a very long time. That's changing now. But um, this kind of fighter variety that it's, it's sort of misunderstood in a lot of ways because, mm-hmm. as you pointed out, the sweetness. And, um, you know, people don't always know what to expect from the variety. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, even thinking of our history, you know, we've produced a dry style for a very long time. And I remember my grandfather saying, you couldn't even give away a bottle of Finger Lakes dry Riesling. No. If you were to stand on the streets of Manhattan, like if you were to say (laughs) free dry Riesling from the Finger Lakes, trying to give it away. And today, you know, you have Michelin star restaurants in Manhattan that have whole categories of their wine list, Finger Lakes Riesling. And it's just incredible to see 
Good. Um, that movement, you know, and that acceptance. So it is changing, and, oh, and I'm, I'm happy that you're a Riesling ambassador, too. Oh, 100%. We appreciate that. Again, <laughs> at the end of the day, if you had to live with one grape variety right. for the rest of your life, like, no, yes. you can't. Chardonnays can be a stunning. Pinot Noir can be incredible. Uh, but yes. Riesling, you can do so much with it. It will give you so much happiness every time, and it will go with Absolutely. so much food. And um, what I like about this one as well is it is dry, but it's not bone dry for anybody mm-hmm. who's trying. There is, you know, it's always confusing when you try to say to people there is some sweetness. There definitely is, but it's more mm-hmm. ripe fruit sweetness. But even, I'm going back to the nose. The nose is, is so lifted and floral. And there's this, like, it's, when I say lemon, it's almost like candied lemon. And then it has, it's almost like it's somehow been smoked a little bit. Like, it, like again, because that petrol note is going in there. So it's this whole mix of, like, candied lemon with this kind of sweeter smoke vibe and then this lovely lovely even flintiness on mm. the nose it's it's got a very very inviting nose i'm very happy oh wonderful what i poured in my glass is almost gone but <laughs> good so, so so i'm glad that finger lakes is now you're not having to give it away for free because you shouldn't right and, uh, and <laughs> yes I, I believe i've quickly looked online and for everyone uh-huh. in the uk you can get this bottle for 20 pounds from good wine xgoodpeople.com so obviously it's good yes. one times good people for everyone but in terms of how you would spell it it's good wine xgoodpeople.com so this is 20 pounds they have a lot of wines don't they um they do. from new york state they're big supporters mm-hmm. big um, supporters yeah but definitely this wine is on there um which yes. i love to now go back to finger lakes as a region why is it so special why do people want to pay attention to the finger lakes yes the Finger Lakes is, it is, I mean, I am certainly biased because I spent <laughs> my, my life here, but it is a very special place. I mean, not only is it a beautiful region, but we have an en- enormous diversity of different uh, grape varieties being planted, mm-hmm. a lot of experimentation happening. And again, going back to that cool climate, cool climate has become sort of a trendy word, you know, in the last mm-hmm. few years or mm-hmm. trendy phrase. But we are truly cool climate here. <laughs> so achieving these really fresh, high acid, lower, more moderate alcohol wines, um, I think is really exciting. Um, you know, we're producing fantastic traditional method sparkling wines mm-hmm. using Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier, also Riesling with sparkling. Um, all the way to Georgian varieties. We have Bricchettatelli, we have Separavi. Yes, There's yes. Lots of diversity, and I mean, there's so there's we're a collection of eleven lakes, which you may not think. You know, ten you know, we have ten fingers. You think we have ten <laughs> finger lakes, but we have one extra lake. Listen, listen, <laughs> um, anomalies happen. Yeah, some people. In fact, I know exactly. a lovely. Um, I know somebody who was very dear to my heart, and they actually uh-huh. did have more than ten fingers. So oh my goodness! Ultimately, you know, we don't have to go with a norm here. Yeah, eleven right. fingers. It is. Yes. Right. I love that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we do have you know these these long slender lakes that, mm-hmm. um, you know, again really help to moderate moderate the the severe climate that we have the very continental climate that we have Mm -hmm. but they're also just beautiful places to live and and to visit you know there's um lots of fishing ice fishing in the winter fishing in the summer lots of water sports in the summer lots of agriculture cheeseries um cideries it's just a booming industry Mm. for agriculture so 
it is a truly special place. And because we're so rural and we're so off the beaten path, I mean, we're a little over five hours outside of New York City. Mm-hmm. We haven't had the influx of investment. And I think that has led to a slower growth. You know, we've, we're basically a collection of, of family farms here, many of them multi-generational. And because of that, you get a real sense of authenticity mm. from the region. You know, oftentimes you're meeting with a family member, you're meeting with the winemaker, the vineyard manager, when you come and visit these wineries and you're really getting that inside look, you know, into life here and viticulture and the winemaking here. So I, it really is a special place. You know, we don't have the glitz and the glam <laughs> that other regions um, yeah. possess, but I think there's a beauty to that and a, a realness to that. Now you said, so the main, the most famous lake is the Seneca Lake, which is the yes. biggest, but also, am I right? You said it's 640 feet deep. Is it the deepest as well? It is. It is. Yeah. Yes, by then, far, actually. Okay, and that's pretty much in the middle. Now, you you make, you have some vineyards there, but you are based, as you said, in the Kuka Lake, which is to the west, and it's much smaller, and it's not Correct. as deep. You said 200 feet deep? Correct. Yeah. I'm gonna exactly. everyone sorry, we're sticking with feet. I haven't got time to look at meters. I'm so well. sorry. I know no, we're I shouldn't uh, convert Americans. to meters. I know, we're the worst. I we're know. Worst. Well, listen, everyone listening can pause it and we can quickly <laughs> do the calculation. It's fine. Do I should work out. Yeah. So the fact that the Kilka Lake is less deep, mm-hmm. you've said obviously Seneca is it tends to be warmer. Yes. What 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 else separates Kuka Lake yes. from you know, say Seneca Lake or the Cayuga Lake, which is the other quite large one. Absolutely. Yeah. They're, so the three primary lakes um, for wine yeah. growing are Cuca, where we are, Seneca, the middle lake, and then on the other side, Cayuga. Um, mm-hmm. And these are all sort of Native American names. Cuca mm-hmm. in the Iroquois language means canoe landing. Okay, cute. Yes, right. I know. And it, well, it, but... Don't get me upset because you said about the banana belt <laughs> yeah. and there was no bananas. We so do have at least canoes. tell me there's canoes. Yeah. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yes. Finally, something that makes something sense. Something true, okay. right? Um, but it, I think because it is such a picturesque, beautiful lake, like we have, this is where the industry started was on Cuca Lake because... As, okay, yeah. Yes. Well, of course it started with your great-grandfather. Correct. So and even before him, prior to Prohibition in the 1850s, okay. There were vineyards on Cuca Lake. So this is really Why? the first Why place. Why I believe because of its proximity to other um, sort of regional cities at the time. Mm. Uh, and also because for some reason, it, it's just the most, I mean, again, I'm biased, the most picturesque <laughs> lake. <laughs> um, the topography is very extreme here. So we have higher is elevation. Is it more steep? It is more okay. steep. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. So you get, do you get the high, you get higher elevation in Kuka Lake than in Seneca Correct. and Cayuga? Okay. Correct. Yes. And steeper as well? Steeper. Presumably yes. Okay. Yes. So a bit more extreme then? It is. It is certainly. Okay. Yeah. So this is okay. where a lot of the development started. So even there are many restaurants on the water's edge because of the development, you know, oh, in, nice. in many, many years ago. And uh, it, it was just a very popular lake for, for tourism and also agriculture. Um, prior to Prohibition, you know, we have basically tree, a tree line um, around the lakes. And hmm. before 
we experienced prohibition, there was, it was said to, you, you couldn't see a single tree. It was all vineyards. So it was just an wow. incredible booming industry mm. at that time. Um, and it is, you know, today we have beautiful, you know, nature here today. It's so interesting. We had a, uh, an intern winemaker this past harvest who joined us. It was mm-hmm. her first harvest. And uh, she was coming from UC Davis and she had lived her whole mm-hmm. life in Monterey, California. And she arrived. And she <laughs> very said, different. Very different. She said, I can't believe you guys have this wine region here in a forest. You know, like she couldn't mm-hmm. believe how many trees yeah. we had and how lush and how green. And so it's just, it is striking, you know, to see, okay. to see the area and the, the topography here. So tune in next week to part two, where we're going to talk about much more of the different grape varieties that they grow. I'll be tasting of Gewürztraminer, the Cabernet Franc. We'll be talking about Ricazzatelli, which they grow. They grow Georgian varieties. I said there were some exciting varieties, right, in the Finger Lakes. Now, to finish off, I have found a quote from the one and only Dr. Constantin Frank. It seems only fair. And what a gorgeous quote it is. He said, good grape varieties are not good enough for Americans. You Americans deserve only excellent. This is my duty as scientist and this is my duty as an American patriot. So with that kind of dedication, no wonder the Finger Lakes has grown to exactly what it is now. That's it for today. Thank you, as always, for listening and commenting and getting in touch with me. Make sure you're subscribed, you've shared, you like the podcast and leave me a comment if you can. Right, well, you know what's coming next week. So that means you have one week to get yourself a bottle of Finger Lakes wine. And ideally, if you can get a bottle of Dr. Constantin Frank, be back next week to join us for the second half with Megan Frank. Until then, cheers to you.